0: Welcome to the Courageous Entrepreneur Show. This is the show that shares information and inspiration to help you break free from self-doubt, limiting beliefs, and disempowering patterns, and break through to create the thriving, successful business you dream of and deserve. I'm your host, Winnie Anderson. The show features interviews with entrepreneurs who've overcome amazing challenges to create success on their terms and experts who share insight and practical information to help you move forward with courage, confidence, and clarity, so you, the introverted, mission-driven entrepreneur, can consistently reach your biggest goals. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll share the show with others, and you can visit winnieanderson.com slash your way, all one word, winnieanderson.com slash your way to get the show notes, resources, and links for this episode. Or you can head to couragepodcastfan.com and register to become a fan of the show. You'll get access to all the episodes organized by season as well as by topic along with show notes, resources, and bonus content all for free. If you've worked hard to achieve a goal and then discovered that you didn't really want what you had gotten, you'll find a lot to relate to in this episode. Especially if you build a business around a model that made you miserable or just didn't work out for you. Rejade Richmond is an acclaimed business and legal strategist who empowers women to embrace their true power bossness and turn their business into an empire. From rock solid business structures to impenetrable contracts, she shows them how to get legal, legit, and profitable. A first generation college graduate, Rejade finished law school determined to live the fairy tale that every up and coming attorney dreams of. Seven figure salary, partnership, prestige. Rejade landed a position with one of the top intellectual property law firms in the Detroit metro area and quickly earned her superstar spot, working on the continued preservation of Malcolm X's and Alex Haley's heirs' legacy. A complicated labor left her 1.3-pound baby in the NICU and rejayed with complex health problems. She ended up bankrupt, but risked it all to have it all. She's committed to helping women build something big and understand all the words above the dotted line and the value of the assets that could make or break their bottom line. Listen in as Re Jade shares the quarter-life crisis she had at 25 and what she realized. What she finally did to get the clarity she needed, how she broke free from the typical attorney model to provide better service and create a more joyful life for herself. She shares how she built a six-figure business and shares her thoughts on the strategic priorities that we manage as entrepreneurs. As always, listen all the way to the end where I'll share your cocktail exercise and action step for this episode. All right, so Rejade, jade thank you so much for being with me today. I'm excited to have you here and to share your story with everybody. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, you're very welcome. You know, we have something big in common. We both had what I call a quarter-life crisis, Mm -hmm. right? We hit 25 and suddenly it was, what the heck am I doing and where am I going? So why don't you tell us about yours?
1: Yeah, so I was working at a celebrity law firm here in Detroit and, you know, to be the first generation in my family to go to college and then go to grad school and then be a lawyer, you know, that's pretty awesome, right? You know. So, but something weird happened, you know, I hit 25 and everything just came crumbling down. I started questioning, is this what I want? You know, is this it for me? You know, is this the best I can do? And it just was like, I felt like I was having a 25 year old life crisis. I shared with my husband, he was like, you're just crazy, you, you got a good job, you're making good money, you know, same thing with friends, and so they just thought I was just having a total mental breakdown, they were like, oh, you, you know, it's just a phase, you'll get over it, but I didn't get over it, so in the midst of all that, I kept dreaming about <clears throat> what do I want to do with my life? and not having any guidance or structure on, you know, goal setting, goal planning, and, like, what's the next step, not having a mentor at the law firm. It was just, like, a lot, you know. And so for me, it was just, like, what do I do with myself? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, I think that, boy, in that one issue, there's so much that I think we can all relate to. Obviously, you busted your butt that is, you know, that's a tremendous amount to overcome. I I think I was not the first person in my family to go to college, but like the second. I mean, it was, you know, it wasn't a lot of us who did that. And then to get a full four-year degree, et cetera. And, you know, I know there's a goal setting way of thinking that says, you know, if you don't have continuous as you're saying, continuous goals to shoot for, you achieve that one big thing and then there's this massive letdown. So yeah, you're. I think there's really a, a, a lot of importance there in figuring out exactly why am I so unhappy at this point? So how did you manage to come to the to the center of exactly what it was that dissatisfied you. You said you didn't really have a mentor or someone that you could look up to for guidance at your firm, which that's a whole nother issue, but but so what did you do? So basically I just, you know, I had to s- sit
1: with self, you know, like after all these years, after all this schooling, this torture of law school, you know, all right. this money, you know, just like really, doing the self-assessment, you know, like, why did I do these things, you know, why, you know, why, like you said, why am I so unhappy, and at the root of it all, it was, I did these things for attention, you know, to be the first, you know, for the, for the applause, so to speak, it wasn't something I necessarily wanted to do, but because I was good in academia, it was like, okay, what's the, you know, like, Like, in black families, they say, you know, you either become a lawyer or a doctor, and that's an honor. (laughs) And so, you know, and that's pretty much how my family was. It was like, you know, it was just always, it wasn't necessarily, um, how do I say this, Uh, a forced pressure, but just the idea of just making my family happy and to say, like, I was the first to do it. That's really, was it was really my ego, at one end of the spectrum, and then also just not wanting to let other people down, but it wasn't deep down inside, it wasn't something I truly wanted to do.
0: Yeah, wow, there's so much in there, and I can't believe how, I mean, I just want to give you a standing ovation for even uh, admitting all of that yeah. to yourself, yes. you know, having that cognitive moment, and I think that there's so much there that's, that gets tied up in not just our ego, but our emotions, because Mm -hmm. we tell ourselves, I spent a stinking fortune, Mm -hmm. right, on law school, I don't care what year you go in, it's a fortune, you know, even my education certainly wasn't that expensive, but it was pricey for, for somebody in, in my economic, you know, standing, and, Mm -hmm. and I had to work three jobs and take out loans and pay my own way and it yeah it's you start thinking about I've spent all this money I can't go back now mm-hmm. right I can't make the change now did you experience any of those thoughts too I've after I've shelled out all this money I'm just no throw it all I away? for me
1: at that point I was just so unhappy that it was okay. like yeah. It didn't even matter. The money yep. didn't matter. You know, I didn't yep. care if I was in debt. It, it just really didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I gotta my peace of mind was disrupted. You know, yeah. it's like it was getting to the point where I would try to get fired. Like I would leave. Like I had to be at work at eight. I wouldn't get yeah. to work till like nine or 10. That's how bad it was. And, you know, when I would get to work, I was having anxiety and panic attacks that's how bad it was. So it was it was a non-negotiable. So yeah. to me, of course, like my husband was like, "Well, you spent all this money and what about your loans?" And to me, it was just like, "I don't care about those loans." You know, I don't care. You know, my peace of mind, my mental state is more important than a job and money, you know. And so for me, it was more so figuring out what it was that made me happy and of course that can generate money. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. No, that's that's brilliant because yeah, in the end it's only money. I mean, mm-hmm. just go and get some and what's mm-hmm. the worst that can happen? Oh, I'll, I'll pay the bills or not pay the bills. I mean, it, you know, you hate to say that, but that's, that's once your, your mental and physical health are in jeopardy, something's got to happen. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit uh, about uh, some of these things that you really discovered about yourself mm-hmm. One, that you were, doing things to make other people happy, maybe, or to, to to have that achievement moment. What are some of the other big ahas that you had along this journey from where you were, law school triumph, to where you decided to pivot and go in a different direction?
1: Right. So really, that was really the only aha that I had. It was more so why, you know, I was doing the things that I was doing. And when I did that, it was like, okay, it's time to shift gears.
0: Right. So
1: it was right. time to go through that that process of rediscovery. Like, okay, what makes me happy? Okay, you know, what am I really good at? You know, that's not going to give me a panic or anxiety attack. <laughs> right, right. And so what I started noticing in the midst of me going through this self-discovery phase There were other women coming into the law firm, and I will say this. I was the only woman at the time at the law firm, so that was a whole other issue in itself. And so as other women came in, other interns into the law firm, I found myself mentoring them, and I found that this was my happy high, you know, helping other women, showing them how to elevate. So in a sense, personal professional development, in the sense that I didn't have that mentorship, it gave me great joy to give that mentorship to other women because I didn't want someone to wake up you know, years later, like, what, where the hell am I at? What am I doing? You know, if I can save another woman from going through that process, that's where I was at the time when I decided to start dabbling into my hobby that eventually became a business later on.
0: Okay. All right. That's interesting. And and I think it kind of speaks to that old adage that we teach or coach around that, what which we need, right? Yeah. That yeah. we were looking for ourselves. That's really interesting. All right. So, In your quest to if you found that you just that you loved this whole element of personal slash professional development helping others kind of coaching maybe even before coaching was kind of a concept in your in your head professionally and I know you then formed a a business on your own right so can you tell us a little bit about the history of that when you when you decided that i got to get out of here literally and you left the firm what was that next step cuz you started another enterprise right right so it wasn't okay so i need to go
1: back so it wasn't that fluid that okay i had this aha moment that i started a business because that's right. not what happened so okay. i didn't i don't want people to be thinking that that's what happened because that's not what happened at all actually what happened was life events happened to me and i okay. got sick i was pregnant um it was unexpected and i got really really sick and i was hospitalized and i ended up delivering my daughter at 24 weeks um so that's about almost four months barely five months pregnant yeah. um so i delivered her she was one pound three ounces <clears throat> in the midst of that i was hospitalized in michigan we have at-will employment what that meant was that i got fired so this hobby that i had in my head You know, that meant that, you know, no money's coming in now because I'm fired. So that meant that I had to figure out how to get money. And so this is when I said, because like I said, I was mentoring women and things like that, playing with the idea of starting a business. The business wasn't started yet. And so then I decided, you know, I had no choice. had to make money. Um, Me in the hospital, daughter in the NICU, no medical insurance or anything like that. So I, while my daughter was in the NICU, I started really building the business I uh, actual business at that point okay. and so that was really the turning point because it was really it was no plan a or plan b it was kind of by force <laughs> so it wasn't something that I with my analytical rational mind would have liked to do just fall into something it was more so I'd rather plan it but that did not work out that way because you know as life is Things just come at you and you got to roll with it. And so that's what really happened to force me to start the business. And that was like really the turning point. And so at the time I called it search for her existence because at the time I was searching for who I was. And so that's the, where the name came from. And before the previous logo, um, they, it was women with no faces. That was the original logos because women were searching for who they are because the focus was personal and professional development at the time for search for her existence and so that's really the focal point of where things started changing and then it, then I got sick and then I went into kidney failure and so still still have to build the business regardless. Right you know, still got medical bills, daughter's still in the queue, and so really, I was building a business while I was sick, and so that's why it was called Search for Her Existence, and so the focus at the time was personal and professional development, but when I started the business, like, I had no clue, like, yeah, I was a lawyer, I know the legal stuff, but I did, legal and running a bit operating a business is two different things, I had no clue, so in the midst of that, I failed a lot, you know, but because there was no plan B, failure wasn't an option, you know, it was like, okay, let's figure this thing out, and at the time, I thought I was just, I really didn't like law, because like I said, I did the self-assessment, so I thought I hated law, because the environment I was in, but as time went on, I kept getting certain questions from women, even though I was doing personal and professional development, it was always legal questions, and so I'm like, I'm not advertising legal, but a lot of people knew me as that legal person. And so I was like, okay, do I really want to do legal? Because when I was doing it, I was having panic and anxiety attacks. (laughs) And so what I felt, so I I started taking, I was still doing personal professional development, but then I started doing some legal things on the side to see, okay, is this really what I wanted to do? And what I discovered was that I actually liked law. But I was doing it on my own terms, which made me happy. Like, I wasn't charging billable hours because I thought that was a scam. You know, I will only work with women, which I absolutely love, to see them start their babies and see them blossom and make sure that they're legit. You know, that that was another happy place. So it reminded me of how I felt when I was mentoring women in the law firm to actually helping women start legal businesses. And so as it evolved, I went from the startup phase to the actually maintaining or protecting women's assets. And so that's kind of how the evolution of, you know, it took me feeling at the beginning, beginning of the business to see like, okay, this is not working. You know, something's got to give, like, I feel like I'm pretty smart now, <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, just putting it in perspective, no one really wants to pay, you know, you know, to accommodate my lifestyle, we'll just say it like that. No one wants to really pay for personal professional development when they can buy a book, you know, you can listen to an audio, you know. You know, people pay for coaching, but for me, I wasn't trying to be a personal coach or a life coach or anything like that because, to me, I felt like I wasn't qualified because I was a hot mess myself. (laughs) 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 And so, you know, the that's really how the evolution of it came for me, you know, just really falling into – the business because of life circumstances and just trying to figure it out because I have this little person depending on me plus me and my health. So it was kind of like failure
0: was really no option for me. Right. Right. But you mentioned that you did fail a lot. I did. so, So let's, let's just clarify. What are you, what are your definitions of failures? And, you know, can you just give us an example of one on your journey?
1: Yeah, so like I said, the personal professional development part of the business that I had it was a failure. Like it didn't generate money. That's That's a failure. Yeah, that first year, I want to say I generated under three thousand dollars. Yeah, you know, so that was a huge failure. And then I had to go back to the drawing board to figure out, like, okay, what is it that I'm doing wrong? And what I found was that. I wasn't serving the people who, I wasn't giving them what they wanted, I wasn't giving the people what they wanted. And really what they wanted was legal consultation and business advice.
0: Right. Yeah. I think the other big interesting thing that you point out is that you thought you hated what you were doing, but it was in actuality, the environment and the constraints that you were forced to work in because of the model right the standard mm-hmm. law firm model which get the billable hours a million hours of working etc and once you were freed from that kind of model i think my interpretation as i listen and and as i i've read a little bit about you is that you now you're you're taking your what you really did enjoy doing consulting with people right and women especially mm-hmm. and you started to make it fit a model that you wanted would you say right. that's that's true okay yeah. great yeah yeah yeah
1: what i do is so unorthodox in the legal community and you know it's you know it's kind of like bending along the lines of legal ethics cuz they have you know we're all bound by these certain laws, rights attorneys. And, you know, they want us to, you know, if you're an attorney, they prefer you to have a law firm. They prefer, but it's not legal a legal requirement. And me, I don't have a law firm. I have a business, a consulting firm, and we do legal things, you know. Um, But everything we do is legal, but it it doesn't fit, you know, a lot of lawyers here where I'm at. They're like, Reje, you don't do it like us. I'm like, I know. I don't want to. I don't want to do billable hours. I don't want to put, I don't want to force people into retainer agreements. I don't want, because my goal is not to steal your money. My goal is to help you protect your assets, make sure you're legal, you know, and I don't have to do that through billable hours. I don't have to charge you 50 hours to get one thing done. And for me, it was really, it was draining to see people who are really trying to do good in their business or their lives. And I felt like we were stealing from them, you know, when I was at the law firm. I really felt that in my spirit, like we were stealing their money. Like why would I charge you three hundred dollars to send an email that I can do in my sleep? You know, or why would I send you five hundred dollars just to call you to update you on your file? It was things like that that was draining me and to to know it to me that was wrong, but in the law it is legal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, my husband's a corporate attorney, so he has you know he gets paid a salary, and, and and which I think is kind of the same mentality that you're working under. I get a flat amount, and I do this work mm-hmm. within that flat amount, and and he refers to things like you're talking about as almost padding the file. That that it's just a way to, as you're saying, generate more revenue when I will work as efficiently as I can within the constraint of that fee agreement we'll call it right which is yes. same thing as for him as a salary and for you it's a flat project kind of amount yeah. and i really think that that this whole conversation is is really about model and so many of us are just unfamiliar with what you know i've talked about this before when we start our business we just start out with what we see and what we know. We yes. often don't really take the time because we're just not aware that we can, right? Kind of like giving ourselves permission mm-hmm. to create a model that works for us yes. and works for the client. So that's, I think, what I'm hearing and feeling. Yeah, absolutely. What you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's really powerful. Um, so, yeah I, I, yeah, I really think that that is such a tremendous issue for so many of us we see gurus or we Mm -hmm. see other people I mean just the fact that you became an attorney you know you you don't see other people like you with uh, I think women in general right there are certain professions where especially women of a certain age like me we never saw other I I never saw a woman who was a lawyer Mm -hmm. when I grew up there were no female lawyers of of any color or any stripe. There just weren't any. So it never hit me to think about becoming one and no one could then fuel any interest that I had in in anything else, right? So you just go into this path. Anyway, I think that's a really fascinating conversation and, and issue. So let's talk about the courageous actions that are necessary for building and growing any business and just one is the whole self-awareness that that you obviously have which I think is fantastic but let's let's start right at the top right with marketing because if there's no marketing obviously there's there's no real business so as you were growing your business how did one how did you market it and two then how did you balance marketing for new clients with serving your existing clients so I think that's always a struggle for us too
1: Right, so marketing when I first started had no concept, so it was more so it, and it was difficult for me because I didn't want to be seen as a failure because a lot of people knew me as the lawyer, right? right. right. so starting this whole business thing it was it was a real struggle for me and plus I didn't want to hear my family's mouth. um right. so generally where I started was I would go to events. I went to local events here in Detroit, Mm -hmm. Um, so I did that, and then um, I went vended at tables and things like that, got my name out there, and that's really how I started getting my first clients, Um, really testing the waters, seeing what they wanted, seeing how I can serve them, and again, like I said, that recurrent thing kept popping up, they wanted legal help. They didn't want the personal professional development, they wanted that legal help, so that's really Um, how I started was just word of mouth and that's really how people referred me to other people because I really didn't do a lot of online marketing because I had that fear that first, those, that first year, so to speak, in business. Um, but then moving forward to the second year when I started shifting from the personal professional development to actually business consulting, um, that's when I started to see the shift in the business, um. The marketing, I wouldn't say it ever changed from the per, from current clients to new clients. I think it was always the same because it was always word of mouth. People just really love my personality. They love the level of integrity and care, you know, that I, professionalism that I gave them mm-hmm. that I really never really had to market. And I was always blessed. So honestly, I've been in business five years. I haven't really started a marketing plan or strategy until this last year. Mm-hmm. Honestly, literally, I have not. I've been blessed to have a six-figure business without a marketing plan at all. Good for you. It's, it's so word of mouth, people. I and one client. Next thing you know, they send five people my way.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that the other piece to that, obviously, you do great work because people aren't going to re- recommend that yes. somebody go talk to somebody who's a loser, right? But I think also that <laughs> that also speaks to the fact that back to this issue of model, that what you were doing and you know yes people need legal advice right there's lots of ways they can get legal advice so it was the way you were providing it and the understanding that you had in terms of how this fits in with the actual business that the person is in and i think when people see that oh i don't have to pay by the hour i don't have to go to somebody's office and, and, and foot the bill for this big fa- fancy schmancy uh, facility that they're operating in. So I think that also then contributes to, you know, you've created something that works for you, but it really must have resonated with those people who were saying, I want business legal advice. You know,
1: I always ask them, um, I always ask my plans and my surveys to figure out why did they go with me? Right, right. Because I'm, I'm always curious, you know. Mm-hmm. And the answer, the recurring theme that I get is that they like the way that I explain the law. They, it makes them feel comfortable. It makes them feel at home. I make them feel a part of a family that, you know, even though they're not filing a trademark, they understand what's going on. They understand the process. They don't feel like they're just paying for a service and they really don't know. And a lot of things I get from clients when they hire a different attorney, they're like, I didn't know what this meant. I didn't, they did this contract for me for my service, but I just don't understand it. Like, so when I'm giving it to my clients, I don't even know how to explain it to them you know, it was just a lot of level of understanding that they didn't have. They felt like they were, they felt like they were hiring an attorney, but they didn't understand what they were getting when they finally paid. And so that's the thing I've always gotten from my clients. Like they feel like they understand. So when they're, even if they go with someone else in the near future, they can articulate like, Hey, this is what I got done before that is legal. And this is You know, I understand this is my trademark, it's protected for 10 years, it's in this category, and they know why it's in the category. It's not just, okay, I got this trademark because I needed it it was like, okay, I I got this trademark because I'm operating my business in X, Y, and Z, and this is how I'm protected. And if someone infringes upon it, this is what I do. I send this cease and desist. And if they don't stop, I file this claim in this court for this amount. And this is how much I can Mm -hmm. get. Like they know the process and they don't, you know, so when they work with me, they have a general understanding. And on the flip side is that when I work with you, I just don't do your legal. I look at your business to figure out how does it fit in because legal can be expensive. And as we know, and as I know, business structure can change what you're doing, what you're offering, you know. So I want to see what are you doing within the next five to 10 years? Have you even thought about that? So I'm just not focused on the right now in your business. I'm focused on the legal in the future as well. And that's what makes me so different. And they really, my clients have a really, great appreciation for that because I'm like okay well if you have this trademark what happens if you say you want to do this certification program what about licensing what about franchising what about contracts you know what you know how does that overplay in your business so it does not extend to just the trademark it extends to other legal components of your business and how it can tie into it and so that's why I don't dub myself as an intellectual property attorney. I say I'm a business and legal strategist because I'm, I'm working, I'm infusing business principles and legal principles principles together to ensure that you're protected overall.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is, is very unique and also speaks then to the sales process because there's this educational, Piece, you know I refer to sales as four steps educate elevate inspire and invite and and you're certainly educating your folks in that this is a lot more complicated than you think it is which then elevates you in their eyes so there's so much um, element there's so much baggage around sales and selling and did you, did you experience any of that in, in yes. asking for the sit? Yes. Okay. So yeah, you want to talk I about it? <laughs> I absolutely hated it. Um, and here's
1: why, because I still had that stigma from the law firm. So in my mind, it was just the icky thing to do, you know? Yeah. And, and then, then, like you said, then we had all these gurus say you have to do it this way. And, right. It it just for me. I just didn't like it, and so I had to figure out what worked for me. And for me, like I don't, I don't do sales. Like I don't at all. You know what I do is I offer you value, and if you see value in what I offer, then you you're going to say, hey, how can I work with you? Hey, you know what is the price? What is the investment? And that's pretty much how I do it. Now, I always do strategy calls. I used to do free discovery calls. I don't do them anymore. But what I do is I do a strategy call because what I give you on that strategy call, you can actually go do it yourself. If you want to go file your trademark because I tell you exactly what needs to happen. If you feel confident, you can literally take what I give you and run with it. Yeah. And so that's why I charge now for my strategy calls. But no, I don't. I don't do sales calls at all. Um, it just makes me feel icky. It yeah. gives me anxiety. I don't yeah. do them. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I, you know, I think that as as an as an attorney, and I know very well because my husband, there's there's just all this baggage around mm-hmm. how you. Because you want to position yourself as the true professional that you obviously are. And then, and I remember when there weren't any attorney advertising, uh, or there wasn't any attorney advertising at all, and then, okay, now we'll let you advertise, and then you run the risk of going to one extreme or the other. And yes. so... Yeah, and, and I think there's so many of us that are uncomfortable with sales that it's a matter of figuring out the again the process and strategy that works for us as individuals. And personally I love and that's why I teach it, educate, elevate, inspire, and invite. And and then it's a, a mutual respect. Yes. Two people. This is what I offer. This is what you need. I think what I offer fits with what you need. Do you want to work together? Yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> No, okay, yeah, and definitely. that's pretty much
1: what I do now. So what I do yeah. is a lot of webinars, you know. Right. And at the end of the webinar, you know, your next steps. If you want to work with me, yay! If not, here's some more free content you can enjoy. You know, it's not—it's no pressure. It gives them to figure out what they want to do at their own pace, and that's pretty much how I do it. And, I, and I'm I'm totally happy with that model.
0: <laughs> great, great, awesome. So let's talk then about fulfilling. We love to do the work we do, obviously. So again, we're ju- always juggling these, mm-hmm. these strategic action, these courageous actions. So you've got to fulfill, but you've also got to do all of these other things that are required to manage and grow a business as well, right? So how do you manage to, um, to juggle that, right? To, to build your business and get done everything else? Do you have help? Do you have, have assistants who help you?
1: Okay. So one is the tech. Technology is so awesome. So <laughs> a lot of stuff I use in the business to make it run so smoothly is technology. That's number one. Right. So I, you know, from the onboarding process to sending out invoices to, you know, keeping them up to date on their project, I use a platform called Depsado. It, You know, it manages everything, you know, reminders, my calendar. So I don't have to worry about that. Then in terms of booking, you know, we automated that, right. you know, people can book, you know, the service that they need and it's very detailed, on, you know, on what they need so we don't have to even get on the telephone to talk that you can just read about it and we're going to have an intro video so you have a clear understanding right. of how you can work with us, you know, X, Y, and Z, so you know before you actually pay money. So you could feel a little bit more comfortable. So that's a new way. So just handling the management of clients in the appointment is automated for us. Great, great. And then in terms of managing our projects, we use a platform called Asana. Okay. That's how we kind of see our team. <coughs> we keep track of They keep track of me, <laughs> see my appointments. They see where I'm currently at on projects. They see what's due, what's been assigned. So yes, I do have a team. We use project management platforms to see where we are, you know, to manage all of our different courses and things like that. See what needs to be updated. So yeah, that's how we manage it. You know, those three different platforms. And what was the first one? The Psado. Can you spell
0: that? D-U-B-S-A-D-O. Okay, great. I never heard of that one. That's, that's been interesting. Great. Yeah,
1: it, it was just created within the last two years. Okay. And, and it's, it's a really awesome platform. Have you heard of 17 Hats? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's similar to 17 Hats, okay. but way more efficient. Okay. Um, and so I, I definitely love it. Um, Yeah, so we I, I'm, I love tech, but I, I believe in simplicity. I don't believe you yeah. need 50 million things to get one thing done in your business um so those are the three platforms
0: that really run our business okay so dubsado asana and what was the third the third was acuity scheduling oh okay yeah 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 that's great awesome and of course we'll include links to those in the show notes and the resources mentioned that's fantastic so now let's look at creating then right that's the Mm -hmm. next uh, courageous action and most of us create you know, we've got a ton of stuff to create. We've got content, if, if nothing else, right, that we put out to market our business that way. Um, let's let's talk about that. You mentioned webinars. How do you manage to balance the creation, you know, having time to create content for your marketing in addition to, you know, doing everything else, having a life? Right. So I batch record. Okay. So I pick a day
1: out the week, and then I just record a ton of content. Okay. You know. So I kind of know, so every month in my business, so to speak, I have a different theme, but it revolves around two two of my services, protecting your assets, right. and it always revolves around um, that one-on-one, if you want to be profitable, because I have that's another side of my business, helping women make more money in their business after right. they're legal. Okay. And so um, those are the only two ways you can work with us, and so... I create content around those two components, and then I repurpose content. Because I have a ton of content, I don't always have to recreate it. I can just put a different spin on what's already created, and then there it is. Because I've been in business so long, and I'm doing the same thing, I don't have to really create anything new. It's just retargeting the message. Yep, yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that I think is brilliant and speaks to the power of and freedom that comes from focusing.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. When
0: you say I'm not doing all this other stuff, I'm doing this. Yeah. Give yourself permission, not just to be an expert, but to also just have a simpler life, right? Because you're just, this is all I do. This is it. If you want something else, go over there. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So we keep it pretty simple over here.
1: And I found that that's really where my business began to explode is when I just started keeping it simple. Not trying to do X, Y, and Z because the groove said do it or you right. have to do it. Like, no, I'm going to do it this way because this works for me and it feels good. You know, it doesn't feel icky. It doesn't feel slimy. It feels good to do it this way. Yeah. Even though it's not traditional, so what? It works. And
0: my yeah. clients love it. I love it. So what's the problem? Yeah. I, and I, I love that <coughs> line in the sand that you've drawn because while granted, it makes sense for us when we don't know uh, about running a business or that mm-hmm. sort of thing that we look, well, what else is out there? What What is there to educate me? At some point, you have to make that decision. And yes, I follow gurus, you follow gurus, we follow the same gurus to, to, sometimes, but there you've got to, it's your business. You've got to make that decision that's right for you because you've got to live it. The guru's not living it. Exactly. And we all you know, try to talk about things that are right for us. So it's so funny because I
1: remember one time, um, someone messaged me on Facebook about my copy. They're like, it's written wrong. This is the wrong formula. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> and I'm like, it works. It makes me money. I'm very <laughs> profitable. My clients are not complaining. It's, it's the copy that I've created, it makes them want to buy. So I'm not understanding, you know, and I've been told that a lot by different marketing professionals. I'm like, you know, Hey, I'm the type of person, if it's not broken, no point in messing with it. You know, my clients like it. They like my marketing. And that's, that's one thing I will say about my marketing strategy now is that it comes from a place of authenticity it's like I'm not forcing the sell on you. It's more so I'm sharing you with my experiences. And that's really how my marketing is. I'm sharing my experiences. And the, some of my clients, they're open to sharing their experiences based on why they needed legal and, you know, the things that they did trying to do the DIY route and where it landed them. You know, because <laughs> in the midst of that, you know, I've had my own, you know, being a lawyer, I have, was starting a business. Yeah, I'm a lawyer, but business principles is different you know it's a whole nother ball game you know and I've had my share of legal mishaps that I had to learn along the way and in terms of learning those things I teach my clients those things so they don't fall into those legal mishaps
0: yeah yeah you know I, I want to hammer that mm-hmm. statement you've just made somebody told you your copy is wrong yes you know I think that's one of the pluses of Facebook and social media that we can just very easily, it's like I tell my husband all the time, it's like working in a, in a cubicle environment. I just want to yell out, hey, what do you think about this? And you get these great responses. However, right, there are people who have a different style from us. Right, yes. you've got people who are just—they believe, and this is why their beliefs, right? They're, they believe that this kind of style or this kind of formula the or language, way. right, is the best way. That's because it's the best way for them, not for us. So, yeah, I—I I shared some some—I forget what it was I was working on, but I shared some some uh, maybe it was a headline, um, in a group, oh, a book title, that's what it was, and. A lot of people in that group are what I would consider hypey. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that's terrible. You don't want to do that. You want to do this. And it was all this gross, really just hypey, icky stuff. But a few people were brave enough to say, I like it. Mm-hmm. And, and if, you know, you went through and looked at all the people who said I like it and the ones who didn't, all the ones who said I like it were people who I would consider as in my segment. And okay. I think that really speaks to, you know, your comment is you've got to feel good about it and own it mm-hmm. and not just follow people blindly. Right, absolutely. So, so good for you. That's awesome. Okay, so let's let's look then at, at managing because we've got to manage this, this business as we grow it, right? So you really leverage technology. Yes. Um I, I know we could go on for days about this issue in general, but can you think of maybe one mistake that you think you see service professionals make a, around managing their business?
1: Yeah, not having a customer experience I feel like and I think that's one of the things that I did have an issue with just like okay after you get the client how do I want them to feel because you because I never want them to feel like I pay my money and they're not loved or appreciated or valued you know I want every person who comes through my company to feel appreciated you know And just providing that customer experience, I think a lot of businesses, because we're in this so fast go 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 environment, like I gotta make the sale, I gotta do this. I feel the customer experience is really missing nowadays. After the sale, like I feel like we do all this. A lot of people does all this work to get them in, but then afterwards. Even after the work is completed, there's no experience being provided to them. And yeah. so I think that in management, I think that's the biggest mistake, the customer experience yeah. is so key. Because that's going to keep that relationship, maintain that relationship. Right. And then they can be your marketing piece, your free marketing piece, if you provide them with a great experience. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's yeah. I think that's that's great, and and a really important thing to remember that it is part of managing that you need to create these systems and processes that really help people feel valued and not just a number. So yeah, really great point. All right. So now we're going to talk a little bit more into your yourself. So so next is growing, right? Mm-hmm. Learning about being a professional and growing it uh, personally and professionally. What is one area that you want to grow in yourself with regards to building your business?
1: Yeah, so one was really the, so it was two, the marketing. I wanted to learn more about marketing, and so I've already invested in that. And the secondly was speaking. I want to get more into speaking, so I hired a speaking coach and things like that. So those are the two areas I'll be focusing on,
0: better marketing strategy and the speaking great yeah awesome and of course leading okay so as entrepreneurs we're leaders to our clients we're leaders in our industry leaders to our team what do you do or what do you wish you had done more of to be seen as a leader in your industry segment
1: i wish i would have put myself out there more in the beginning to not compare myself to because what i was doing was so unorthodox I was afraid so I really didn't put myself out there so just being able to to talk about my business and feel good about it and know just because I'm not doing what the gurus or experts are doing that I'm still doing good work I'm still making an impact so I think just in the beginning just being unapologetic about who I am my story where I come from to transition from IP attorney to what I do now um, just feeling really confident in my story and not being ashamed about it, owning it. I think that's really what I would—I wish I'd done in the beginning, It just really own it and not feel shame from transitioning or feeling that fear or that ego popping up because of that.
0: Yeah, and I think also owning the uniqueness of your model, mm-hmm. right, Which which speaks to confidence as well, as you mentioned. So many people are going to tell you, you can't do it that way, right? Yeah. Or you shouldn't do it that way or I wouldn't do it that way or whatever they yeah. can to make you wrong in some way. And yeah, I think it really does speak to just courageously owning this is the way I'm doing it. I'll find out if it's wrong or not. And it's, and it's only my clients who matter, right? Between my right. clients and me. So yeah, really well said. All right. Last, but by no means least, is living. Mm -hmm. Tell me what is one of your best practices for making sure that you're building a life as well as building a business.
1: Right. So I look at my relationship with my family. You know, I never want to be stuck at a computer screen. You know, are we doing the things that we say we want to do? You know, are we spending time? Are we traveling? You know you know, are we comfortable, you know, without being stressed out about money and bills? Are we in a better position than we were the year before? And so that's how I, I do a checks and balancing, seeing like, okay, am I spending too much time on the computer? Okay, that means I need to delegate more. I need to hire more people, you know, and you know, if my, is my husband looking at me like I'm crazy, <laughs> you know, and that's pretty much how I check and balance it, you know, okay. if, if I find myself, because I'm, I'm that, type A personality it has to be right <laughs> and then I love learning new things so like I would sit down and learn something new just because for for the sake of learning this so I could teach my team like mm-hmm. I'm that I'm a hands-on personally like once I learn it I'm gonna show them how to do it and I expect them to duplicate me you know and so just in case I get sick but I like to know what's going on in my business just in case someone isn't there I like to be able to say like okay if I need to fix something on my website I can go in and do it boom 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 bam no headache I understand how it works and so I do a lot of the learning in the business as well then I teach my team it Um, and so, yeah, that's how I kind of check and balance my family life is just, okay, am I stuck at the computer? (laughs) Am I being, you know, and if so, then that means I need to delegate more. That means I need to bring on more people because that means I didn't, I didn't start a business so I can be like how I was at the law firm, you know?
0: But often we end up having a worse boss than the one that we had when we had a job, right? I tell people sometimes I can be the meanest, I'm the meanest boss in the world to myself because yeah. I'm still sitting at my desk when I know better and, and want exactly. to be downstairs. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Ree, thanks so much for being here. I could talk for hours about all this. So why don't you, people will be happy to hear we won't though. So why don't you share exactly what it is that you do in a nutshell. I know it's much more complicated than in a nutshell, but, and then where can people go to learn more about you and your services? Yeah. Thank you. So I help six figure women entrepreneurs
1: protect their assets by getting legit and profitable. And so what that means is I help you protect your trademarks, your copyrights, contracts, if you have a patent. And then I also help you figure out like, okay, once you're legit, how can you make more money in your business? So that's what I do. And if you're interested in working, learning more about me or my team or being a part of the team, because we are hiring, awesome. you can join us at www.searchforherexistence.com. I'm also on Facebook under my name, and I'm also under in, in Instagram and LinkedIn under my name as well, Brigitte Richmond. Great.
0: simple. Awesome. That's <laughs> fantastic. And of course, we'll have links to all of those sites so you don't have to remember them and you can, you can reach out to uh, Rejade yeah. uh, at your convenience. Thank you so much for being with us and uh, it was just a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that. I so admire Rejade's courage to truly build a business on her terms. If you like this episode, please share it with your connections. Please leave a great review for it on the platform where you consumed it. And be sure to subscribe either on that platform like iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, or you can subscribe to the video version on my YouTube channel at winnietv.com. But when you sign up to become a fan of the show at couragepodcastfan.com, You'll get access to all the episodes in the catalog along with show notes, resources, and bonus content. In addition to the episodes, you'll also get information, tips, and resources to help you sell your services even though you hate to sell, get your message out in a more powerful way, and achieve your business goals. All right, so your cocktail exercise, otherwise known as a reflection exercise. No, need, no alcohol needs to be involved. Don't overindulge and don't drink and drive. Your reflection exercise is to really think about the path that you're on and the business you're building. Is it what you want to do and are you doing it in the way you want to do it? Meaning your model and your sub-models, do they fit you, how you want to work and the lifestyle that you want to lead? You don't have to do things in the way that others in your profession do them you really can create a hybrid model that's unique to you and that borrows from other types of industries. Even doctors are creating unique business models outside of traditional show up, get treated, pay, copay. More doctors are embracing what they call telemedicine, which uses video conferencing and having patients pay a flat fee for different access levels of service. So give yourself permission to really take the time to create something that works for you. All right, your action step. Your model can be a way you position and differentiate yourself. I once refunded the money of a student who signed up for a course that I said they had to be present for. He said, I'll just watch the replay. And I said, no, you won't. And I refunded the money. Most people don't ever actually watch a replay. And I don't want to perpetuate that kind of behavior. I want to work with people who really do want to change. And who are ready to make the commitment necessary to do that but I wasn't always so brave I started out with a very unique service that was delivered in an intensive type of format but I got so worried about marketing it that I gave up and I went to a traditional coaching model today I'm back to my original structure and now the IP days or intensives are a common thing that other people offer So your action step is to identify one thing about how you work with clients that you'd love to change and then do it. Structure it differently, whether it's a different intake process or that clients have to complete a lengthy questionnaire or everyone does free discovery calls and you don't want to do them. Figure out that one thing about how you work that you'd love to change and then do it. You'll be so glad that you did. If you like this episode, please share it with your connections. Please leave a great review for it on the platform where you consumed it. And be sure to access this episode and the back catalog along with resources and bonus content at couragepodcastfan.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, you deserve all the success you dream of.